Our precious Heavenly Father, we come before You this morning with this fresh reminder in our minds and on our hearts of Your grace on us through Your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we are so thankful and so grateful that Jesus Christ was obedient even unto death on our behalf, taking our punishment, the punishment we deserve for our sins, giving us opportunity to be forgiven if we will just trust in Christ. The grace of Jesus Christ shower down on us through Your love shown through Your Son. Father, I pray that we would come together together as we've come, that we would come to Your Word together this morning with our hearts and minds reminded afresh of this wonderful grace and how Your Word is even Your grace on us and giving us Your Word to direct our our thinking and direct our steps and direct our living. Lord, I pray that You would strengthen us for having been here together today to open the Word together to examine it. Father, I pray that Your Holy Spirit would take Your Word and influence our minds and thinking and our hearts and our living by way of our obedience and by by way of our taking very seriously what You have to say to us in Your Word, in Your written Word. How privileged we are, Lord, to be able to open it up before our eyes today. And Lord, I pray that You would impress upon our hearts the importance of taking it in and obeying it. Taking it personally and obeying it. Taking it upon ourselves to take Your Word and apply it to our own hearts and lives in obedience to You. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Turn with me to 2 Timothy, would you please? 2 Timothy chapter 2. Second Timothy chapter 2 this morning, and we are in a section of verses that uh, Paul writes and sends to Timothy, and this is for the church as well in God's inspired Word. This is God's Word to the church today. We're in a section of verses that we're looking at how to be strong. These seven verses, these first seven verses in chapter 2, all about how to be strong as followers of Christ, how to be strengthened for your walk with Christ, for your obedience to Christ, and your life lived for Christ and for the good of the gospel. Go with me, second chapter, second chapter of Second Timothy, and we're going to begin, and we're going to look at these seven verses, and then we're going to come back to verse 2 this morning, verses 1 through 7. Follow along in chapter 2 of Second Timothy. You then, my child... Paul writes to Timothy, Timothy, his child in the faith. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Now we came last week to chapter 2 here in 2 Timothy, and and we asked of the text before us, specifically in verse 1, how can we be strong people? How can we be a strong church? Strong Christians? Strong believers in Jesus Christ. How can we be strong in our convictions and faithful to the Word of God? 
How can we be strong in our faith? How can, how can we be strong so that we are effective for Christ and very glorifying to God in the way that we live? How can we be strengthened for that? And the answers that we began to find in verse 1 are that we need, we need the strength of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ at work within us, at work in our midst as a church, and to be effective for Christ for the good of those whom we love and to whom we minister We need the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ at work in our midst. And we came to discover in verse 1 where Paul says to Timothy, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. We, We are direct beneficiaries of the grace of God through the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we directly benefit from the grace that is in Christ Jesus when we take very seriously our responsibility to, first of all, obey God's word. Obey God's Word. We grow in the grace that is in the Lord Jesus Christ when we become obedient to God's Word. And then when we're faithful and fervent in prayer, and then when we come together regularly for the fellowship with our brothers and sisters in Christ, you see, we need one another. We need obedience to the Word. God gives us His Word. That's how He communicates with us through His Word. He gives us the privilege of prayer. That's how we communicate with God. Remember, we said open that other line of communication. Don't just read the Word, but also pray. You need to talk to your Heavenly Father in prayer and use that precious gift of prayer and be very fervent in your prayer life. But not, thirdly, not neglect the fellowship of the church. You need each other. We need one another. We need the Word, we need prayer, and we need fellowship. And God wants you, as His children, to be strong. And He has graciously equipped us with just what we need to be strong. But we must take advantage of the resources that He makes available. You see, it's possible for us to acknowledge the resources, but yet not take advantage of them, isn't it? To say, yes, I I know that God gives me His Word, and I, I should read it, and I should obey it. Oh yes, I know, He gives me prayer, and that's a great privilege, and I should pray more than I do, and not pray more than you do. And oh yeah, I know I need fellowship with other believers, and yet no, I don't feel like going to church today, or I don't, I don't think I need the fellowship of other believers. I don't need them, you know, looking down their nose at me and, and, you know, looking after me and trying to encourage me or anything like that, right? But we need those things, don't we? And we can be aware of the resources and, and, and ignore our, our need of them. We must take advantage of the resources that he makes available. And as we look at verse 2 today, we're going to see that Paul didn't stop by simply encouraging Timothy to be strong. It's a good thing, too. Isn't it great that he just right? Hey Tim, uh, buck it up, buddy. You know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Be strong, okay? And we'll talk to you later. That's not where he left it, was it? He didn't say, "Hey, just be strong. Get get a hold of yourself and be strong." He said, he said more than that. Thankfully, and that, and that's for our benefit as well. He didn't just tell Timothy to toughen up. He went much further. He clarified for Timothy, and he clarifies for us the kind of people that God wants His children to be. And so we have here a picture in these first seven verses, specifically in verses 2 through 6, the kind of people that God wants His children to be. And what He tells us and what He tells Timothy here, He goes much further than just be saying, be strengthened. And we're going to see it in the coming verses that Paul clarifies just what, just what God wants of His people, just the kind of people He wants us to be. We see it illustrated very well in verses 2 through 6. God's people should be like, should be like teachers. They should be like soldiers, they should be like athletes, and they should be like farmers. 
And today we're looking at verse 2 where Paul tells Timothy that he is to be like a teacher. He is to be a teacher. Not to just be like, like one, but he is to be a teacher. And God's people are to be like teachers. And it's interesting to note that in the charge that Paul gives to Timothy, we see how the church is to be strengthened for growth. We find a formula here that helps us understand how the church is to be strengthened so that it will grow properly and to be healthy, a healthy and strong church. Of course, we know that, we do know, don't we, that, that a church is only as strong as its members, right? And so its members need to be strong for the church to be strong because the church is the people, right? It's not this building. This is not the church. You are the church. All right, so to be strong as a church, we need to be strong people. And we have here a beautiful picture of how God intends for His church to grow. And here it is, a very simple formula. And I, and I don't mean to oversimplify it, but just what we see here in the text this morning reminds us that there must be faithful men who will teach others. There's a simple formula for growing a healthy church, and it begins with faithful men who will teach others. God's church grows when men lead as God intended. Now, that may sound, in this, in this culture in which we're in, that may sound very male chauvinistic. And I'm sorry for nothing in that, in that in the way that that sounds, okay? Because that is God's word. That is not male chauvinism, all right? This is God's word. God said it, I didn't. I'm just repeating what God says here. And I want you to understand that I take the scripture very seriously. When we come to the word and God said, the church needs men who will lead, that's what I'm going to say. All right? God's church grows when men lead as God intended. Note again what Paul says in verse 2. Look at verse 2. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses in trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Now, if the church is to be strong, which happens when its individual members are spiritually strong, it must be led by men who will take very seriously their biblical responsibility to lead the church. And I say it's a biblical responsibility. I did not say it was a, it is a privilege, but I did not call it a privilege because sometimes it's not very privileged in the way that we must serve. Because it's burdensome in many ways. It is very difficult in many ways. Men who have been in leadership, especially in leadership roles such as pastors or deacons, will know sometimes leadership in a church can be very difficult and very stressful and very burdensome spiritually and physically and emotionally so. And so when I talk about men who will lead the church, I'm suggesting that God intends for us to take that, take that burden of responsibility very seriously and take up that cross, so to speak, that we should bear and do so with strength and wisdom. It is not a sword. It is more like a burden. And when I say it's not a sword, it's not, a, it's not something that we swing around and we wield with authority and say, get out of my way, i got a sword in my hand. All right? It's more like I'm going to take responsibility that, the, that God tells me to take. I'm going to come and I'm going to take a share of this burden, and I'm going to help carry this burden that is the leadership of the church. Okay? And so when I talk to you men this morning about the leadership that you ought to, that you ought to have in God's church, I want you to understand that it's not a sword. It's a burden you carry. It's a burden you bear. And we will all answer to the Lord as to whether we led or not. You understand that, that we have a responsibility, a biblical responsibility to lead in our families, gentlemen. 
and lead in the church and that we will go before the Lord someday and answer to him as to whether we have led properly or not. And I become very emotional about this topic because it's, it's heartbreaking when I see men in the church who turn away from their responsibility and refuse to do what God's word says very clearly we must do. Do you understand how serious a situation this is when men turn away from their responsibility and will not lead? Now, having said that, I want to make it very clear that it is not a desperate situation if men will not lead because God will raise up from amongst us those who will help lead the church. But I'm telling you, if men will not lead, then God will use others to help lead the church, and ultimately how the church will be strengthened and growing will be when men do finally get get a hold of themselves and realize that they must be obedient, and it will be because, be because faithful women have challenged and encouraged them to step up and take the leadership that they're supposed to take. Paul says to Timothy, And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Listen, if the church is to be strong, and that happens when its individual members are strong, if the church is to be strong, it must be led by men who will take very seriously their biblical responsibility to lead the church. That is the charge that Paul is giving to Timothy here. It's a very serious charge. I don't take it lightly. And you can tell, can't you? Because I'm being very very direct this morning and very pointed and very serious about this. And I, and this is a near and dear burden to my heart. And I think that one that the churches need to take more seriously today because we're being, being overwhelmed with politically correct thinking that says men ought not be strong and men ought not be authoritative in their leadership. That is contradictory to what God's Word says. And again, I emphasize it's not a sword that we swing around and hurt people with. It's a burden that we bear and we come along and we help and we encourage and we lovingly lead according to what God's Word says. That is the charge that Paul is giving to Timothy. He's charging Timothy with teaching others what Paul has taught him. And then those men would then be able to teach others also. This is how the church is strengthened. That's how how God intends for the church to grow. Those who are taught Teaching others. It's a cycle. Those who are taught teaching others who will, who will come along and grow and then learn so that they can teach others who will come along and grow and learn so that they can teach others. And it's a powerful and effective method that God will use to grow His church, but it requires a certain kind of man. It requires a certain kind of man. I want you to note the kind of men the church needs. Paul says God wants men who are faithful You get that? It's obvious. It's right there in the text, isn't it? And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to, what kind of men? Faithful men. What kind of men? Faithful men. Note, he says, faithful men. He says in verse 2, just what is a faithful man? What kind of a man is a faithful man? Let me explain to you and describe for you what the Scriptures have to say about the kind of man that's a faithful man. And men, I want you to hear this very clearly. And ladies, I want you to hear this as clearly so that you can pray for us. But this also applies for each one of us this morning. This is what God requires of us. But gentlemen, if you're going to be a faithful man, here's a man who is faithful to the Lord. Jesus, as as Christ, was faithful. And He was faithful to the Lord. 
Jesus Christ was faithful to the Lord. Remember, God the Son, Jesus Christ, sent by God the Father to accomplish a mission on earth. And just as Jesus Christ was faithful, and just as Moses was faithful, God expects men in His church to be faithful. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 2 says of Jesus Christ, who was faithful to Him who appointed Him. That is, Jesus Christ was, a faithful, was faithful to God the Father who appointed Him to come and live as a man and then to face punishment and death for the sins of the world. A sinless man taking on the punishment of, of the sins of the world. That's Jesus Christ, who was faithful to Him who appointed Him. And then it goes on to say that just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house, Jesus Christ was faithful, Moses was faithful, and God wants men who are faithful Faithful to the Lord, just as Paul himself was counted faithful, as we learn from 1 Timothy 1.12. Back in 1 Timothy 1.12, we learn this. When, when Paul writes, I thank Him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord. Remember, Paul is given strength by the Lord, and that's true of every believer. Because He judged me faithful, appointing me to His service. Paul realized it was because... Of, of God's blessings on his life, and because God considered him faithful, that he was blessed with strength and wisdom and, and the ability to do the work that God intended for him to do. You see, we don't have the ability to do the work that God intends us to do without the filling of the Holy Spirit, without the work of the Lord on us. And God expects us to be faithful to the Lord. Faithful men are those whom the Lord can trust on and whom the Lord can depend upon. You want to be a faithful man that God will use. I promise to you that God will use you if you will be a faithful man. And if you will be a faithful man in the ministry of the Lord, beginning in your home and then in the workplace and in the church, God will use you greatly if you will be dependable, if you will be faithful to the Lord. A faithful man is also one who is faithful to the Word of God. That's a huge ingredient to your need for faithfulness to the Lord. You need to be faithful to the Word. To be able to be used by God, you must have the Word, and the Word must have you. Faithful man is one who is faithful to the Word of God. We saw that. We saw what that was to be faithful to the Word of God back in chapter 1, in, in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 13, where we're reminded that, that being faithful to the Word of God means following God's Word closely following God's Word closely. Paul says to Timothy in verse 13 of chapter 1, follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me. Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, stay within the boundary of God's Word. Stay within the boundary of God's words. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me. Don't deviate from the Scriptures, Timothy. And faithful men will also continue in the things that they have learned. They won't, they won't turn away from them. They'll be faithful to the Word. They'll be faithful to the things that God is teaching them. They won't neglect them. They won't give them up. And they won't deviate from their, them or, or, or uh, leave them. Faithful to the Word. Faithful to the Lord. Faithful to the Word. Just as in 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 14, we'll, we'll get to it in a later study, but it says in, Paul says in chapter 3 verse 14, but as for you, continue, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. Continue, Timothy, stay with the stuff of God's Word. Get God's Word and let God's Word get you. 
And stay with it. Don't depart from it. Don't neglect it. Don't abandon it. Men who are faithful, they may not be preachers, but they preach with their life. Okay? Men who are faithful. We're not all, we're not all preachers. We're not, we're not all proclaimers of the text. But your life proclaims the text of God's Word. And that ought to be true of us, gentlemen. That ought to be true of each of us. Every believer. But men who are faithful preach and teach the truth of God's Word, and they do it with their lives, especially with their lives. You realize how weak the Gospel is if we don't practice what we preach. Right? The world's going to look at us and go, I don't need that. You don't even do what you're saying. And how sad it is when we go down in flames, gentlemen, and we go completely against what God's Word says, and we go completely against what we say we believe about God's Word, and people look and say, you don't even do what you say you believe. Because men who are faithful preach with their lives, and they take very seriously being obedient to God's Word first and foremost. Thirdly, men who are faithful are also faithful to the church, faithful to the Lord, faithful to the Word, and faithful to the church. What does it mean to be faithful to the church? Well, it means that you are faithful to your own brothers and sisters in Christ, among whom you will serve the Lord on their behalf. You see, God has equipped the church for ministry, and God uses men to come in and lead the church scripturally with the Scriptures so that, so that the church will be strengthened and growing, and the Lord intends for those who are leading to serve those who are growing. And the church will not be served if it isn't for those who come along and faithfully stay obedient to God's Word and stay close to those who are in the fellowship of the church and care for their needs and encourage them and build them up in the things of the Lord. Be faithful to your brothers and sisters in Christ. That's what it means to be faithful to the church. It means that you serve your brothers and sisters in Christ. Just as Epaphras did, the church at Colossae, it says in Colossians 1.7, uh, Colossians 1.7 calls Epaphras a beloved fellow servant. And interesting that those who lead the church are, the Bible calls servants. We are to, to be servant leaders, gentlemen. True of us in the home, true of us in the church. True of us in the workplace who are children of Jesus Christ, we are to be servant leaders. We, le- we lead by serving. That is God's way. It is very contradictory to the world's way, isn't it? But that's how God intends for us to lead in servant leadership. And Colossians 1.7 calls Epaphras beloved fellow servant and then says of him, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf. The late J. Vernon McGee says, as sons of God, we ought to be concerned about our father's business. The Lord Jesus in his humanity as a boy said, I must be about my father's business. McGee says, well, I have become a son of God, not like the Lord Jesus, but I've become a son of God through faith in Christ. And then he goes on to say, now now that I am a son of God, I am interested in my father's business. You see, faithful men are those men on whom the Lord can depend and trust, and they are men on whom the local church can depend and trust because they are about their father's business. They're all about their father's business. To put it simply, faithful men are those men who make their Heavenly Father's business their business. I'm not suggesting that you quit your work and you become a a Bible thumper, you know, so to speak. 
I'm suggesting that you let God's Word transform your life from the inside out so that you go to the workplace and you become a man all about your father's business. And you challenge people to live for Christ with your life live for Christ. And that's how we change the world for Christ. Note that the kind of man the church needs is implied in verse 2 also is a teachable man. It's implied. It's not stated, but it is clear. If you look at the text, you realize that it's implied because Paul says that Timothy is to entrust what he has been taught to faithful men who will teach others also. And how is he to teach others if there aren't any men who are willing to be taught? All right, so you need to be faithful. You also need to be a teachable man. You see, the men must be taught themselves before they can teach others, and before they can teach others, they must be willing to be taught by others. Unless men are willing to be taught, God's method for strengthening and growing the church fails. I'm praying for you, men, that God will help your heart to be moldable and teachable, and that you'll be a man of the Word, and you'll be a man who loves to learn and grow and be changed for God's sake, for, for God's kingdom, for God's glory. I'm praying that, that we never stop learning and growing as a church because unless men are willing to be taught, God's method for strengthening and growing the church fails. You realize that when we say, I've heard enough, I don't need to hear anymore, I'll come to church, but I don't need to be preached at anymore. I don't need the Word. I can do without it. I know plenty. God cannot use you if you will not be willing to be taught. Timothy himself is a very good example of how this is supposed to work in the church. You see, Timothy was willing first to be taught by his mother and his grandmother, which which we noted in our study in, in the first chapter of 2 Timothy, verse 5. Paul writes to Timothy, he says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. And then later in chapter 3, verses 14 and 15, he writes, and I read verse 14 earlier, and I'll read it again, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. And then in verse 15, and, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. See, it's very obvious, isn't it, that Timothy had been taught in the home of the things of the Lord by his mother and grandmother from from childhood. He was aware of the Scriptures. There's a wonderful lesson for us as parents, isn't there, here? If you don't see it, I'll remind you. There's a wonderful lesson here as parents. The children are best taught when we begin early with them, teaching them of the things of the Lord, and that was true of Timothy. And children do best when they get a solid foundation for learning laid early in their lives and their, and their parents carry through and teach and instruct them in the things of the Lord. And I'm not talking about the form of schooling that we choose. I'm talking about the form of life that we choose to live as parents. However, our children are schooled. It is still our responsibility to teach them, to school them in the things of the Lord. They need to be brought up with a solid foundation of scripture in their lives, bring them to church. That's a very good way to start, but don't even think about stopping there. Open the Word in the household. 
and share the Word with them and share the wisdom of God's Word with them and help them see that all of life should be shaped by what God's Word says. That was very true of what happened to Timothy. Paul points to that. As for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, that's the Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So Timothy was willing to be taught in the home, and certainly we can help our children Parents, we can help our children learn to have a willingness to be taught by teaching them ourselves in the home and helping them understand that they need to never stop learning. Timothy was also willing to be taught by Paul. He was willing to go with Paul and be taught by him. You can see it if you read in Acts 16. You'll see that that Paul took Timothy with him on missionary journeys and, and tootled him. The church needs men who are willing to be students first, then teachers But before they can teach, they must also learn to be self-feeders and self-learners. They need to be willing to teach themselves because, gentlemen, one day you're going to be done with school, but you're not going to be done with learning. You might choose to be done with learning, but I'm suggesting that you're never done needing to learn. And so you must learn to be a self-learner, a self-feeder. Self-study is an important part of preparing to teach. Anyone who teaches will tell you that, that teaching has taught them. Right? If you teach, you'll find out. Teaching teaches you. And it's often true of me that, folks, I'm just scrambling to stay one week ahead of everybody else. And when I come and get to Monday morning, tomorrow morning, I'm going to start preparing for next Sunday. And it's like, okay, where am I going next Sunday? And I better know what I'm saying because I'm not sure what I'm saying yet. And I want to know before Sunday so that I'll know what I sound like I know what I'm talking about. So people will listen, right? I'm just one week ahead of everybody else. Just go to the Word and let the Word teach you. Self-study is an important part of preparing to teach. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, Paul directs Timothy to do his best to present himself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. And then back in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 13, he says, Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. And then he follows with verses 15 and 16 where he says, Practice these things, immerse yourself in them, so that all may see your progress. Keep close watch on yourself and and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing you will save both yourself and your hearers. You need to be a self-learner. Gentlemen, you need to never stop learning. You need to push yourself. You need to discipline yourself to keep learning and keep growing and keep stretching your understanding of God's Word. You see, a faithful man is one who never stops learning and growing and teaching himself, just as is illustrated by Ezra the priest. In Ezra chapter 7, verse 10, it says that he had set his heart to study the law of the Lord. Oh, how I wish that this church, and I pray that God would fill this church with men who will set their hearts on studying the ways of the Lord, studying the law of the Lord. And it says of Ezra, and he set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to do it. To study the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach his statutes and rules in Israel. And the reason for this is it can be a long time between Sundays. Now, not my Sundays. My Sundays are like one day apart, it seems like. But your Sundays sometimes can be a long time between, right? 
Your Sundays can be a long time between, and if you're waiting for the preaching of the Word for next Sunday, you're waiting too long. You shouldn't wait for the preaching of the Word for next Sunday. You need to go to the Word yourself. You see, men who are faithful won't wait for others to teach them. They'll read to equip themselves in things that are scripturally shaped. I'm suggesting go to the library and look. There's wonderful books that are, that are formed by men who have, who have studied the scriptures and who will take you to the Word by way of their writing. That's just one more way to learn. But who will read scripturally shaped writing, sound theological writing, and men who will examine the Word to set their own heart and thinking right for right living and right teaching. You won't be ready. You won't be prepared to lead if your, if your heart and your mind isn't set right by God's Word. And faithful men will take advantage of every opportunity to learn, whether it be at the feet of someone else or in the privacy of their own, their own study. They love the truth of God's Word, and they never get tired of taking it in. I pray that that's true of you. I pray that that's growing in you. The church also needs men who will teach. The church needs men who will teach. And unless men are willing to teach others, God's method will fail. You see, you take in everything and keep it to yourself, and God's method falls flat because there's no multiplication, is there? Unless men are willing to teach others, God's method is going to fail. Timothy, again, is a wonderful example of the man who is willing to teach. What he learned from Paul is that Timothy was willing to teach others. He learned from Paul. Timothy took what he learned from Paul and he was willing to take it to others. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17, Paul writes, That is why I sent you, Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere in every church. Paul says, Timothy, follow me in this way. I'm going everywhere teaching the church. You teach the church too. The church needs men who are willing to teach. Timothy was a a very dependable teacher. Paul trusted him to teach others as seen in 1 Timothy 1.3. Remain at Ephesus, he says, so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine. Timothy was to be raising up those teaching in the church and he was to be admonishing them and helping them stay with the sound word, stay within that pattern, stay within that, that, that outline of God's text, stay in a safe hold of God's commands. Timothy also demonstrates that teaching others makes one a faithful minister of Christ. If you will teach others the things of the Lord, you will be a faithful minister of Christ. We find this in 1 Timothy 4.6. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Remember, gentlemen, the teaching begins first by following God's Word yourself, by living God's Word. You teach best with your example. And then when you open your mouth and use words, they jive with your life, right? They align with your life. God's church needs men who do not keep the truth they love to themselves, who aren't stingy with the truth. And I'm not suggesting that you have to go cram the Bible down everybody's throat, but you do need to be willing to share what God has taught you and encourage others in the things of the Lord. Share it with others. That's how God intends to grow the church. Now, you might be hearing me saying that you all now have to be preachers and teachers. And I don't want you to necessarily think that. That's not necessarily true. God takes men who are willing to teach and uses them according to their abilities. 
You see, God gifts us all and equips us all for ministry. And we all have varying abilities. Not all are teachers in the formal sense. Not all are pastors, not all are missionaries, not all are deacons or trustees, but all men are to lead beginning with their own families and then the church. And they lead best and they teach best when their life glorifies God, when their life is obedient to the Word. Every faithful believer should be able to teach others something. We all have differing abilities, just as 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11 reminds us. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. As good stewards of God's varied grace, whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to Him be glory. To Him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Gentlemen, we do have differing abilities, but even those who serve with their hands can teach others to do the same and to do so for God's glory. For the gospel to spread, for strong families and for a healthy and growing church, the church needs, must have the right kind of men, men who will be faithful, men who will be teachable, and men who will teach. That is, men who will serve and serve for God's glory so that their serving teaches others to serve. I have specifically directed much of what I have said this morning to men because of Paul's words here in verse 2 that remind the church that it desperately needs men who will be faithful, teachable, teaching servants. But the need is not limited to those of the male gender. The church also needs older women. Ladies, the church needs older women who will teach younger women. In Titus 2, verse 3, Paul writes that the older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good. You see, for the church to be properly strengthened, it also needs older women who are willing to come alongside younger women to teach younger women in the things of the Lord. The church desperately needs this. But that also means that there must be younger women who are willing to learn from them. And that's why Paul goes on to say in Titus chapter 2 and verses 4 and 5, he goes on to say, And so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. You see, the church needs men and women who are willing to serve the Lord with their lives in obedience to God's Word. And in whatever way that is, in keeping with our abilities and God's will, everyone should be both a student and a teacher. And I go back to chapter 1 where we reminded ourselves that everyone is equipped with the gifts that we need to serve God faithfully. We have just what we need to serve Him with if we will be faithful in whatever way that is keeping with our obedience and God's will, everyone should be both a student and a teacher. Remember the words of the psalmist. Psalm 71, verse 18, gives a glimpse of what our attitude should be. When the psalmist writes, So even to old age and gray hairs, O God, do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation, your power to all those to come.
We ought to be all about being faithful and faithfully proclaiming the might of God to another generation, the faithfulness and power of God to those who come. And we have this reminder that we never outgrow our usefulness to God and His church. And I want you to hear this because we never retire from service to God. We never outgrow our usefulness for God. Psalm 145, verse 4, One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. We all have something to share for the Lord Jesus Christ if we will be faithful, if we will be obedient to what God's Word teaches. This is how God intends to build His church. If God's children will be faithful and teachable and will teach and serve, the Lord's church will thrive and grow until He comes. He will thrive and grow until the Lord returns. Let's give this church to the Lord. Let's give ourselves to His Word. Let's give ourselves to being faithful. Let's give ourselves to being teachable. Open your heart to God's Word. Be a student of the things of the Lord. Be all about your Father's business. Let's give ourselves, let's give God's church to being teachers, faithful servants who will teach others to serve. Let's pray. Father in heaven, oh, how desperately we need your help in this. And how grateful we are that you promise the presence of your Holy Spirit in the lives of those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, I pray for your people today who have your indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, and I pray that you would empower them to obey your word. Father, I pray for the men in our fellowship that you would burden them with their responsibility to be godly leaders in the home, that you would burden them with their responsibility to be godly leaders in the workplace and in the church, and you would help them to grow and learn and be teachers according to their gifts that you have gifted them with and how you have empowered and equipped them. God, I pray that you would embolden us as men to lead, even in the face of what the world calls male chauvinism. When we go to the Word and we find out this isn't male chauvinism, it's God's Word that says men lead. And they do so lovingly. They don't do so so brutally or cruelly or unkindly. They do so lovingly with strong, faithful obedience to God's Word. God, help us in that. Strengthen us for that. Embolden us and equip us for that. God, hold us accountable to Your Word. Help us to go to Your Word and to see the the cracks in our lives that need to be repaired by Your Word when we will obey it. Father, I pray for the ladies in our church who would who would say, "I want to, I want to follow." If my husband would lead, God, I pray, give them grace. Give them grace to to be faithful. Help meets to their husbands. Father, I pray for the ladies in our fellowship who who have a, a deep desire to, to teach other ladies. I pray that you would give them wisdom. I, I pray for our ladies who would have a great desire to be taught by other ladies who would come alongside them and encourage them. God, I pray give them wisdom, give them strength, give them a desire to obey your word. God, give us wisdom as a church. We desperately need your wisdom. Lord, help our hearts to be open to your leading and to your provision and to your wisdom. God, grow us as a church. Make us strong, spiritually healthy, and faithful to your word so that we might see many, many people come to know you as a result of our faithfulness to you. 
from generation, from one generation to the next as long as you tarry. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.